series looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is probably Jesus's best known but least understood sermon and teachings in all of Scripture. And the series is called Flipped because in Matthew 5, 6 and 7, Jesus flips everything about the culture, uh, about the world, about what society tells us. He flips it all on its head. And just one other thing by way of introduction, which is so important when you read the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus taught this and then he lived it. So he taught it and he lived it. And he was the only person who has ever walked on this planet, on this earth, who lived in completion, in perfection, the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, we're in Matthew 6 today. We're going to uh, be in, have a great time in Matthew 6. But just by way of introduction, I want to talk for a moment about questions. Asking questions is an important thing to do in life. From where is the nearest cash point to kind of how do you make a victorious sponge to will you marry me to is there a God to what happens when I die? Questions are important. Someone said of questions, they help us to learn about life and grow in knowledge and understanding. We're going to ask four questions of the text of Matthew chapter 6 in a few moments. But before we do this, I stumbled across something this week which I, which I thought was, was, was mildly amusing. So um, lawyers and barristers, you would think because of their jobs that they would be good at asking questions. I'm just going to read, to get us in the whole vogue of thinking about questions, some real, actual questions that were asked by barristers and lawyers in trials, actual, real, documented trials. This is the intelligence of a lawyer. Listen up. Question one, asked in an actual trial. Excuse me, were you present when your picture was taken? Second question, was it you or your younger brother who was killed in the war? So I suppose, sir, you are the youngest son. The youngest son is 20 years old. How old is he? Or now, doctor, isn't it true that when a person dies in their sleep, they don't know about it till the next morning? So, sir, the date of conception of the baby was the 8th of August. Yes, that's right. And what were you doing at that time? <laughs> you say, sir, that the stairs went down into the basement. Yes. Did those stairs also go up? And a final one, and there were many, but I tried to restrain myself. Doctor, how many autopsies have you performed on dead people? All my autopsies are performed on dead people. I could go on, but they were just some, they amused me mildly anyway, about questions that were actually asked in trials. Now we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 with the help of four questions. So I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues 
and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you may, you, your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. First question from this passage of Scripture, Matthew 6, 1 to 6. Who is your audience? In these verses, Jesus is saying, being a Christian, being a follower of Christ, is not about practicing your good works so that others can see. It's about the secret place. It's about what you do when the door is closed and no one else is watching. Religious devotion happens in the secret place and not in the public place. A.W. Bruce, who's a a commentator, theologian, uh, commentating on this verse, he said this, Humanity needs to hide when it's tempted to show. It needs to to hide in the secret place when everything in us is tempted to tell the world what we are doing. Giving, praying, fasting, all of these things which Jesus mentions are for an audience of one. They're not to show off to the world. They are for God alone. In verse 2, Jesus says that um, you're not to be like the hypocrites. Now, the Greek word for a hypocrite was an actor in a play. So an actor in a play does a number of things, don't they? First of all, they're playing to the audience. The actor is playing for a response to the audience. And secondly, they're pretending to be someone that they are not. And Jesus is saying here, don't be a hypocrite. Don't play to the audience and don't pretend to be someone that you're not. And he gives these two examples, giving and praying. He says, look, your giving is not to be done in a big song and dance. What will you give is not to be trumpeted in a big fanfare for others to know. No. Verse 3, don't let, what your right hand, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. In other words, Jesus is saying, just let God be your witness. In a way, you don't even want to meditate and know what you are giving because it is for God alone. Giving, your financial giving to the Lord is for an audience of one. God sees your heart. God knows what you give. It is not for man to know and it is not for you to celebrate and trumpet to other people. And he gives the same example when talking about prayer. Don't be the hypocrite who just, Praise out loud for everyone to see. I found this beautiful. So in verse 6, where it says, Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in heaven. The Greek word there for room is the room where the treasures are held. 
So that Greek word means so much more than just room. We think that could be a room like this, a room in our bedroom, a room in the living room. But in the Greek, it meant the room where the treasures were, where the jewels were kept. Don't you love that? So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, go into the room where the treasures are kept and shut the door and spend time with your Father in heaven. In other words, go to the secret place where the beautiful grace of God, where there's the jewels of time spent with your Father in heaven. What a beautiful picture. Go there and shut the door. Don't tell the world. Go to the place of spiritual treasures and spiritual rewards. So Jesus flips our human worldly way of thinking on its head. Because the world tells us it's about being seen. It's about how many views we have on YouTube. It's about how many Facebook likes we have. It's about building an audience. It's about seeking recognition. The Pharisees were all about being seen by men and applauded by men. Jesus says a Christian is to be seen by God and rewarded by God. And the other thing is, you can't bluff God. You cannot bluff your audience of one, which is the Almighty. God cannot be mocked. He cannot be deceived. So he knows when you are being a hypocrite. He knows when you are pretending and acting. He knows. So quit it and just go to a secret place and go and do what you do for an audience of one. Now, we're going we're gonna to skip the bit on prayer, the Lord's Prayer, because we're going to look at that next week in preparation for our Friday evening prayer meeting. It fits really well, and I'm so excited. Friday, the 19th of November, we're going to gather here and worship and pray. So I'm going to preach on prayer next week. So we, we're going to skip um, Matthew 6, 7 to 18, and pick up Matthew 6 in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Second question, what is your treasure? And Jesus breaks it down here to the durability of two different types of treasures. And he basically challenges and says, which one will you invest in? Which one will you go after? Will you go after treasures on earth, which are corruptible, or treasures in heaven, which are incorruptible? Focus and spend your time on the one that lasts. Now, it's important to say this, just by a little caveat. There is nothing wrong with possessions and nice and good possessions. It's good to have savings and be prudent with our finances. It's good to enjoy the blessings and the treats of this world, whether it be, you know, nice food or a holiday or, you know, a nice piece of furniture. These are good and right things that God wants us to enjoy. But the challenge that he is giving us is what 
are we accumulating? What is at the very basis of where we spend our time, where we spend our treasure, our finance, and where we invest in? Because verse 19, Jesus says very clearly, the things of this world will be eaten up. Corrosion, rust, moths, decay. Time will decay. Today's language, you might say, inflation will come along. Devaluation will come along. Things will go out of fashion. You know that beautiful piece of clothing you had 10 years ago that cost a fortune but is now in the closet and no one else will see it. You know, a pandemic will come along. All of these things, even if it is something that lasts, God tells us we cannot take it with us. Job 1 verse 21, naked I come from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Someone else described it as like a board game. You play a board game, you play Monopoly, you, you build up your little kingdom of houses and hotels and you build up your finance and then the game ends and everything goes back into the box. It all goes back into the box. You cannot take it with you. That is the, the, the corruptible treasures of this earth. And then Jesus contrasts it with the treasures in heaven. Things that are incorruptible. You say, well, Mark, what are treasures in heaven? What should I be investing my time in? What should I be giving myself to? Well, developing Christ-like character. We take our character, we take the very means of being of who we are to heaven. Introducing others to Christ, something we cannot do in heaven. Telling people about the love of Jesus. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Growing in a knowledge of Christ so that when we see him face to face, we know him in the deepest possible way. Giving our money, our finances to things of eternal value, eternal causes. Treasures in heaven are secure. They're a good investment. This is how I, I sometimes think of it. Okay, Not all the time, and, and this has challenged me to think again, but this is how I sometimes think of it. I'll go around mentally and go around my day or go around the room and think what here is temporary and what here is of eternal value. So, you know, for example, you know, this keyboard is of temporary value. One day it will stop working. One day it will go out of fashion and you will get another bigger, better, more perfectly sounding keyboard. Things that are of temporal value, your clothes that you wear, of temporal value. But you say, well, what is of eternal value? Well, I say, Lord, your word is of eternal value. Another human being, another person who, you know, that the eternal impact of touching them, blessing them with the goodness of God, the good news of Jesus, and the love of Christ. So almost mentally going around, what is eternal? What's temporary? What is eternal? What is temporary? What is eternal? And what is temporary? And you see, this is a flip on the world. Because the world tells us it's about the here and now. It's about pleasures now. It's about enjoying things now. It's about investing in the world right now. Jesus says that will corrupt. 
that will go out of fashion. That will decay. That will be affected by the global pandemic. Invest in treasures of eternal value. What is your treasure? Our second question. Let's carry on in Matthew 6. We'll read verse 22 and 23. Jesus goes on and says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Third question that Jesus is asking is, where are you looking? Jesus, in those two verses, contrasts the person who cannot see, the blind person who sees into darkness, and the sighted person who can see light. And you see, almost everything as a human being that the body does depends on our sight. It depends on the ability to see. You know, we can see so we can walk, so we can jump, so we can drive our car, so we can work on our laptop, so we can message someone on our phone. You see, our eyes allow us to do the vast majority of things that we do in our day. The eyes illuminate what the body then does, the hands and the feet. Now, in Scripture, the eye is the equivalent to the heart. You see, the eyes affect how we live and act, our whole body. Our heart affects our ambition, our drive, our decision-making process. Another way to explain this is, is, is if you think, you know, selfish ambition plunges you into darkness. But when you serve God, it throws light on your path. When you put God first, when you serve him and his ways, light comes to show you the way. All of us have a question to ask. Where are we looking? Where is our vision? Physically, we know that we are looking to give us the ability to act, to walk, to do what we need to do. Spiritually, where is our heart? Where is our purpose? Where is our drive? Again, the world, it flips. This flips what the world says. The world says, come, gather all kinds of things into your life. Gather materialism. Gather popularity. Gather this, that, and the other into your gaze, into your eyes. And as you do that, your guise and your looking and your vision becomes clouded. But when we look to God, when we look to his word, he provides a light unto our path. Where are you looking today? Final question. We're just going to read verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Fourth question for us, final question. Who is your master? 
You see, Jesus breaks it down. He breaks it down and makes it really simple and says, there's two masters. There's me, there's God, or there's mammon, the God of money, the God of possessions. And every single human being serves one or the other. We serve the living creator or we serve the objects that God created. We cannot have two masters. Now, people try. People try all day long. They will try and serve God on a Sunday, and they serve mammon, and they serve other idols during the rest of the week. Or they serve God with their lips and mammon with their heart. Or they serve God in appearance and mammon in reality. No one, Jesus says, can serve two masters. There's no way around this. It's categorical. No one can serve two masters. Someone put it really helpfully like this. A man can work for two employers, but no slave can be the property of two masters. It's impossible. We cannot be serving God and serving mammon. When we, serve, well, sorry, when we share God with others, it becomes idolatry. So it's a big question to ask, who is your master? Do you know one of, the, one of the most helpful things I heard someone say is if you walk into a newsagent's or you walk into W.H. Smith, something like that, and you stop for a minute and you walk up and down the magazine articles, the magazine kind of aisle, there you will see the idols of our world. You will see magazines of home, beautiful, beautiful homes. You will see magazines of men's health, women's health, running this, that, and the other, the perfect body. You will see uh, magazines about cars, and you will see magazines about tech. You'll see magazines about everything in terms of what people worship, what people make their master. Jesus says, categorically challenging right to the core, no one can serve two masters. We serve a God who loves us. Yes, there are other things as part of our life. Yes, there are other things that we give ourselves to. Yes, there are other things that can make interesting and things that we can enjoy. But a master, that is God and God alone. Now, each of these four questions that I have kind of thrown at you today, each one could be unpacked further. Each one we could look at for much longer and unpack and, and say, well, what does that look like in my context? Or, or how does it play out? Or uh, just, just delve and dig even deeper. But remember the point of a question. The point of a question is to help us to grow and help us to learn. So these four questions are for each of us to be challenged on today. Who is your audience? You live for an audience of one or the audience of many? What is your treasure? Where do you invest your time and your talents and your finances? Do you invest in the things that are eternal or in the things that decay and rot and go in and out of fashion? 
Where are you looking? Are there many distractions that are distracting your gaze? Or are you looking to Jesus who lights your path? And who is your master? Is your master God, the almighty creator, father who loves you? Or are there other idols and other masters whom you serve? Another way of answering those questions, another way of thinking about those questions, who is your audience? Jesus. What is your treasure? Jesus. Where are you looking? Look to Jesus. Who is your master? Jesus. Now, before we come to response, before we come to pray, before we come to close this time, I want to say two things. Firstly, this. These are questions that we are to keep asking ourselves. We're to keep asking ourselves. Whether it's been a Christian for one month, six months, six years, 30 years, these are questions we need to keep asking ourselves. Who is my audience? Where am I looking? Who is my master? What is the treasure that I am investing in? These are questions we need to keep asking. Keep asking. They're questions that keep us aligned. They're questions that keep us in God's path for blessing and God's path for our lives. Think about it like this. If you drive a car, you will know that if you're in the middle lane of a motorway, and I don't kind of just disclaimer here, I don't kind of suggest that you do this, but if you're in the middle line of a motorway, driving straight down a straight passage of, uh, of motorway in front of you, if you take your hands off the steering wheel, eventually the car will go in one direction, left or right. There'll be a natural kind of draw to the car to the left or the right. And what you do is you keep your hand very gently on the steering wheel just to keep it straight, just to keep it going straight. These questions are questions to ask ourselves again and again. Am I I going straight? Am I going straight to Jesus? Is my life in the right tracks? What is my audience? Where am I looking? What is my treasure? Yep, I just need to re-evaluate. I just need to tweak here. I just need to tweak there. So two things. The first thing is these questions are things we keep asking ourselves. They're things that we keep or help keep on the, here, the, the straight and narrow and following Jesus' path. And then the second thing is these are questions that every single human being one day will have to have an answer for. Every single human being will have to have an answer for when they come to meet with Jesus. Who is your audience? Where was your treasure? Where were you looking? Who is your master? They are questions of eternal significance. There are questions that each one of us need to take a moment and say, yes, I can answer those questions, Jesus in the affirmative. I may have to tweak things, change things, get set right in the right path in front of me, but it's Jesus who is my master. It's Jesus who is my audience. It's Jesus who I am looking to, and it's Jesus who is my treasure. Questions help us to grow 
in our knowledge of God. They help us to grow in our understanding. I hope these four questions and the challenging words of Jesus from Matthew 6 will help us this morning. Could you all stand? Ben, could you come up? We're going to respond to this word. Brilliant. Let's just take a moment before I pray, and then we're going to just worship a song which fits beautifully into this message. Just take a moment before God and think through the challenging words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Who is your audience? Take a moment to think about that. As I think about the week ahead of me, am I living it for the glory of others or am I living it for an audience of one? As I think about the week ahead of me, where is my treasure? What am I investing my time in? Things of eternal significance or things that will rot and fade away? Where am I looking? This week, as I look ahead into the week, am I distracted by the distractions of this world? Am I distracted by so many different things clouding my gaze? Or am I looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith? And bottom line, this week, who's my master? Who am I looking to serve, to follow, to hear his voice? To be obedient to his voice. They're questions we all need to think through. We all need to answer. We all need to tilt the steering wheel of our lives and get back on track. We're just going to sing beautiful song, Christ is Enough. Just use it as a prayer. Use it as a response. Use it to respond to these questions and this message from Jesus' teaching.